You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, what's up, guys? Welcome to Packers Total Access. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. If you'd like to email the show, you can send a message to Packers Total Access at gmail.com. Just want to say that today's show is brought to you by Fertile Ground Ranch Discipleship Ministry. They were birthed out of the burden to help those in uh, our congregations and community to come out of a difficult past and an addictive lifestyle. Um, they uh, really appreciate their partnership. We're doing a, a giveaway for a autographed Paul Horning jersey, um, the green, the home green Beckett style from uh, pristineauction.com comes with the certificate of authenticity, the great Hall of Famer Paul Horning. And um, if you want to enter yourself into that contest, just go to my Twitter account at Packers underscore access and click on the tweet that's pinned at the top of the page. Make sure you retweet that tweet and then follow the account that will enter you into the contest one time. And then if you want to enter yourself in additionally, you'll see a link to FGR or Fertile Ground Ranch Discipleship Ministry. Just click on that link and uh, you go donate five dollars. That'll enter you into the contest one additional time for every five dollars that you donate. You'll get your name in the hat. Uh, an extra time as well. So on tonight's episode of Packers Total Access, it's going to be Chalk Talk. And for those of you listening uh, on Tuesday afternoon, appreciate you hanging out with us, making us a part of your day. Um, we're going to cover six key plays, um, key moments, if you will, from the Packers win down in Miami. And um, the whole purpose of this uh, this part or this, uh, I don't know, version of to- uh, Packers Total Access is really to kind of show you why the game ended up the way it did. You know, sometimes you watch the game, you listen to the game, you go back, you read the box score, you see statistics, and you immediately think um, that you understand why the game kind of uh, outcome, you know, occurred. And most of the time, it's not the case. There's key moments in every game that really uh, dictates the uh, the final score. And we're going to kind of outline those for you today, okay? Now, we're not covering every positive, every negative, but I tried to pick out the six that I felt like really controlled the flow of the game. All right, so let's start with the first one. And some of these, we've actually got footage that we're going to break down. Um, There's a few of them we don't that I just wanted to mention because I didn't want to brush over them, although there's really not much to see there uh, if we were to break down film, right? So the first one really came in the second quarter 
nine minutes and 21 seconds left. It was a fourth and two play. Miami was leading 17 to 10 at this moment, right? And um, the Packers were at their own 20-yard line. And for whatever reason, Matt LaFleur uh, made the call and chose to uh, fake a punt, right? And, you know, sometimes when you see a fake punt occur, you can kind of understand why a team did it. You know, sometimes maybe you're near midfield. That that can be a reason. Uh, Other times, you know, you may look at the hat count and go, all right, they just checked at the line and said, hey, look, we got the hat count. Let's run a direct snap here and and go for it on fourth down in a punt formation, right? That just wasn't the case in this one. Like I said, I don't have the video for this one because it's just pretty straightforward. The hat count wasn't there. To me, it seemed like it was a call made from the sidelines. I could be wrong, but it seemed like it was a call made from the sidelines by the coaching staff. They just decided we're going to run a fake punt here, and it didn't work, right? In a game that's that close, and and the reason I mentioned the score is it was 17-10 to at the time, right? And I just don't understand that fake punt call. Right now, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I understand football better than Coach Matt LaFleur or any any member of his staff, even the lowest on the totem pole. Right. But in that scenario there with the close scoring game, you know, 17 to 10 and it being in the second quarter, you're kind of approaching what we call the middle eight. Um, You want to put yourself in position, field position wise, to be able to capitalize on the middle eight. Luckily, it didn't bite them in the rear end too bad, although it did lead to a Miami field goal. Okay, so. Obviously, that sets it up and now puts you down 20 to 10. That's the first one I wanted to mention, right? I'm going to go ahead and share the screen and move on to the second play here because we do have footage for this. And uh, hopefully you guys and gals can see this okay. So this next play came – this was the Miami Dolphin fumble, okay? And this came in the second quarter at the two-minute mark. So we're inside that crucial middle eight that we're always talking about. And for those of you listening, if if you're a new listener, you haven't heard us mention that before, it's Michael Lombardi 101. The middle eight is the last four minutes of the second quarter, the first four minutes – of the third quarter. Okay. And there's a lot of momentum that can be created there in the middle late. There really is. And, uh, you know, for me being kind of a, uh, I don't know how to say it, just a, a casual gambler. You know, I like to put a little action on the game every now and then. Um, I have a, a nice formula where if a team is, is leading the middle late and leading in turnover differential after the first four minutes of the third quarter, then I might make a play, on the point spread for the team that those two aspects of the game in the middle eight lean towards. Okay. So for example, if, if green Bay, you know, come out and won the middle eight and they were winning the turnover differential four minutes into the third quarter, I would feel really, really comfortable taking them plus the points if they were losing at that point. And the reason being is because your chances, I think, I think that the statistics showed me it was 87%, I believe is what we're at this year. The teams that win the middle eight and the turnover differential, there's an 87% chance, 87% of the time they go on to win the game. So if you're catching points there too, it just makes a lot of sense. And this isn't a gambling show, just trying to show you how, how crucial that middle eight can be. And obviously everyone knows that turnover differential is huge. So again, this was the second quarter mark, two minutes left, second and two. And Miami's at their own 49-yard line. And this is a huge play right here, guys, because this would this would go up <coughs> and set up a field goal for the Green Bay Packers. And that would essentially put them in position to win that middle late that's so crucial, okay? And, and why do I mention that? Well, this play here was really – this was about a Joe. This wasn't about scheme, okay? This was about a specific player, and that player was Jaron Reed, all right? Uh, Jaron Reed came out and really – um, just took over this play when you think about it. So Miami comes out, as you can see here on the TV copy, and those of you listening on the podcast, they come out, 
and a unique look. They're in a, what we call a 21 ace, okay? And what I would call this play is 21 ace, H-flex, strong right, motion to same, offset, eye close, okay? That's the formation. So when they come out here originally, you can see they're in a single back set. They're in an ace look, right? They've got one running back in the backfield, but they've actually got 21 personnel on the field, which means two running backs, one tight end. So their fullback is on the field or their H back, okay? So the H flex strong right is exactly what it sounds like. The H back is flexed out right to, you know, to the right side of the formation, strong right, meaning the tight end is on that side of the formation as well. And as we roll the tape here, you'll see – that he motions across the field. And what they're doing here is a, a multitude of things. You see, as soon as he motions, watch Tua's face. Tua immediately looks at the defense. He's looking for any kind of movement. If someone follows him all the way across, now you see Quay kind of switches here, but they're calling out gap assignments in the running game. Okay. So this tells Tua they're not in man coverage. Yeah, Quay just flipped, but they're not in man coverage because he came back and Quay didn't go back with him. Right. So the guy motions over, weak then comes back to the strong side, that's why you would say uh, same, okay, H, H to same. And the reason being is they're going into a motion twin look, right? I'm not, I'm sorry, not a motion twin look, but they're going to an offset eye close, okay? And this play call is, uh, is kind of cool, man. Green Bay, it, what it does with that 21 look, even though they're in an ace look, is it forces Green Bay to come out in their 34, okay? And they really, they handle the pre-snap motion really well. If you watch Green Bay's front as we roll it back, this guy goes in motion to the weak side, the defense shifts over. He comes back strong, nobody panics. Immediately, Kenny playing the nose comes right back, right? And, and everything's lined up perfect. They handle the pre-snap motion great. And what they're going to run here, guys, is what we call a halfback counter, okay? And with the counter, you're going to see the running back is going to start left, right, as he's handed the ball, and then he's looking to cut back right. That's what you call a counter, not a counter lead. If it was a counter lead, right, or a, uh, you know, some people would call it a counter trap, you would have a guard pulling. There's no guard pulling. Looks just to me like just straight zone blocking scheme here, right? And as they run it, you see there's the counter run. And, guys, what's crazy is they kind of outthought themselves here, Miami being they. If you look, if they continue to run left, I mean, they've kind of got the hat count on that side, right? Now, obviously, you see the uh, the center gets to the next level and he seals inside. You can tell that's what's really setting up the counter. That's what makes me that, – that's what confirms to me the way the guard or the center positions himself on Quay Walker that this is definitely a counter. There was no intention whatsoever to run left, and he just cut it back, okay? So as he cuts back, if he stays left there, I mean, they got the hat count. That's probably a big play. <clears throat> now, with these counter plays, you can really hit home runs with it, right? And that's that's one of the reasons why so many teams run them is because they, they, they look at this as th this can be a home run play. If you get them flowing in one direction, if you get the defense to bite, like if Quay bites right there or one of the defensive linemen go ahead and shed, then they're taken out of the play. But if you watch Green Bay's front, they do a really, really good job staying at home. And, and really, if you watch Reed, that's the one I want you to pay attention to. Reed is in the four technique on the strong side of the formation. For those of you on the pod, we're going from left to right. Okay, so Reed is the defensive end in the four technique, which means he's basically straight across from the offensive tackle on, that, on the strong side of the formation. And as the play rolls, you're going to notice that Reed stays low. I really want you to key in on, Lee, uh, on uh, Reed here. Right here he is in the four technique. You can see he kind of gets blown off the ball a little bit. But as the play develops, look at this right here. Look how low he stays. 
excellent job by Reed just holding his gap. I mean, this guy has got him kind of on his heels. And you see Reed just holds his ground. Look at that. He's almost parallel to the ground. I mean, that's just a great base. Got his hands inside. He he beat beat the offensive lineman to the punch, getting the hands inside. He's lower than the offensive lineman, and he's reading the running back on this counter. And as you see, Reed sheds and gets a hand on him. Not a great tackle, but you got to keep in mind, he just bench-pressed a 320-pound offensive lineman off of him. But you see, he gets his hand in, and what's he do? Rips the ball out, right? Not only does he rip the ball out, Reed recovers the fumble, too. I mean, this is a big, big-time play by Jaron Reed. And you've seen this kind of all year long. Jaron Reed's had a pretty good season. So let's go to the next uh, angle here. You'll see Jaron, he, he's coming off that block right here, gets his hand on the ball carrier's hand, and then just rips that ball out. And look at Devondre right there in a perfect position, played the run great, didn't get sucked up on the counter, getting too far out of his gap assignment. Does a great job. So Devondre's there to make the tackle, and Jaron Reed just rips this thing out, man. That play right there was the turning point in this game, in my opinion. That's a huge play. And, and then to have the agility on the ground, the wherewithal to go, all right, I got to get my hands on this ball. And Jaron recovers his own fumble. Let's see it again here. You see Jaron over there on the uh, opposite side. This is now the uh, the opposite camera view. And you see Jaron get that hand on the ball, strip it out. Devondre's there to secure the tackle. The ball's already out. Jaron Reed then recovers, and it's Green Bay Packer ball. I just thought that was a phenomenal play by Jaron Reed, and that was probably the most important play early in the game for the Green Bay Packers. I mean, it was absolutely huge because, you know, again, at the time, guys, Miami was leading 20-10 to 10 when this play happened, right? And the fact that you have one player, you know, play the run that well, strip the ball, and recover the fumble, I mean, he's a one-man wrecking crew on this play. He essentially put the Packers in a position to stay in this game. And, and you know, you guys have heard me talk about this all year long. You know, nobody's really talking about that fumble much. Today there's a lot of things being talked about. A couple Aaron Rodgers passes, which I geeked out over, right? You also seen the Aaron Rodgers interception, which I think we would all agree that Alan Lazard was passing, you know, it should have been pass interference from Alan Lazard, right? But, you know, you, you got to play the game as it is, and, and you can't, you know, you've got to overcome the refs as well sometimes. But you don't hear many people talking about this play. And when you go back and watch the tape and you catch these little things, like this Jaron Reed fumble, you know, forced fumble, it makes you go, okay, what kind of game did he have? And you go back and watch the tape. Jaron Reed had an excellent game. As a matter of fact, PFF graded him out, excuse me, an 89.9 in this game. I could be wrong, but I believe that is his highest graded game of the entire season. <clears throat> so once again, for the people that that absolutely despise and hate PFF, you see the tape matching up with the PFF grade. Because if you go back and watch, it's not just this one play. Both him and Preston Smith had an excellent game. Preston Smith did a great job setting the edge, especially in the second half. Got after the quarterback numerous times. His pass rush was excellent against the Miami Dolphins. Now, I'm not sitting here saying that Preston Smith is Pro Bowl worthy, right? Because as we talked about on our previous podcast, the Miami Dolphins have one of the lowest pass blocking grades in the entire NFL as a team, as a unit, as an offensive line, right? So um, it's important to take all that into consideration. And if you guys remember, the game plan we kind of talked about was they're going to be looking to have the quick passing game going, commit to stopping the run, and give some underneath help and make Tua beat you over the top. Now, he put up big numbers there in the first half, but you've seen in the second half that quick passing game disappeared really quick. I mean, Joe Barry in this defense – completely shut the Miami Dolphins out in the second half. 
which I think is awesome. So just wanted to show that play because, again, that set it up, and it was it was absolutely phenomenal because it set up the field goal in the middle late. Again, this play that play happened at the two-minute mark, inside two minutes. Green Bay would go on and get a field goal, which put them up three to nothing, right, in the middle late there um, going into halftime. And it sounds silly, right, because Green Bay would have been losing going into halftime still, uh, 20 to 13. But that stuff matters in the middle eight. It's huge. So let's move on to the next play. The next play comes early in the third quarter, um, the 928 mark, okay? And uh, this was um, the 31-yard pass from Aaron Rodgers to Mercedes Lewis, the big dog. And it it was so cool seeing big dog out in space. Um, you don't see that often with Mercedes Lewis. And seeing him run a wheel route, was just like, and the fact that Aaron trusted him so much. And we're going to walk through this play. This was really cool. But this came in the third quarter. There was 9.28 left. It was a first and 10 play by the Packers. And they were at Miami's 38-yard line. And uh, Miami is leading 20-13 to 13 at this point, okay? Now, Green Bay comes out in what we call a 12-gun strong left, halfback same motion twin, okay? So what's that mean? <clears throat> 12 personnel, right? One running back, two tight ends. They're in a gun set, strong left meaning that both tight ends are on the left. If uh, if if one tight end had been on each side of the field, we may say balance, or we might not even mention it. And that's that's the terminology that's gonna that's gonna let the players know and, and anyone who's who's kind of communicating in this football lingo that the tight ends are on each side of the center, right? You may say balance, you may say even a lot of different coaching staffs call it something different, right? Um, but again, this is 12 guns strong left, meaning both tight ends are on the left side of the field, and then halfback same simply means the halfback is on the same side of the field as the tight end. You could say halfback strong, but typically when you already use that word strong left, then you would say same to keep things from getting jumbled up, right? And it kind of differentiates people's assignments. Um, and then you got motion twin. What does that mean? They came out with uh, wide receivers on both sides of the center, right? But then you see they motion to a twin set. So you've got Dobbs coming over pre-snap motion. Now, what is that doing? Again, that's telling Aaron Rodgers what kind of defense they're in. Just like Tua, when they did the motion earlier, you seen Tua immediately snap his head to the defense to see what the defensive backs did. You see Aaron right here staring, okay? So when he looks right here, he knows this backer isn't man coverage. Even though the backer's out there, he's just simply getting leverage, right? He's going to have leverage to be able to play this, but he knows this is still zone, zone coverage right here. So when they come out in this motion twin, the ball is snapped. What they're going to run is what we call an out-and-go switch wheel, okay? What does that mean? I'm going to go over here to the left side and, sh and show you and explain for you on the pod what that means. Let's go to the strong side, okay? So the tight ends, you've got um, – you have Tunyon on the line of scrimmage, okay? He would probably be your traditional Y, and technically Mercedes would be the H, but you've got – Tunyon, this is going from left to right. The camera view is behind the line of scrimmage. You've got Tunyon far left, and you've got Mercedes Lewis right beside him on the right, but about a yard off the line of scrimmage. Now, what does that mean, out-and-go switch will? Okay, and out-and-go is starting from left to right, telling you that Tunyon is going to run an out-and-go. So he's going to go up, he's going to fake a little out route, and then take off up the seam. That's an out-and-go, okay? And then the switch, what's the switch aspect? The switch aspect is it's a, uh, a tactic used on offense by by offenses uh, in the game of football where you have two two players right running routes and they're going to switch positions meaning they're going to cross over each other. So Mercedes's route is going to go to the left side and Tunyon's is going to go to the right. They're going to kind of scissor out. Now they're not going to cross paths at all. You're going to have Mercedes do it running this wheel route from behind Tunyon 
But again, that's a switch wheel. Why is it a wheel? Because Mercedes is going to run a wheel route. What's a wheel route? It's basically a two-read route where he's going like he's running a flat. Aaron has the the opportunity and ability to dump it right there if he wants. Now, when he sees Aaron isn't looking, now you focus on your wheel route. And a wheel route is simply out of the backfield. You out of the backfield or off the line of scrimmage, you're going to get to the sideline and run a streak up the sideline, right? And that's what Mercedes does there. So, again, that play call, 12-gun, strong left, halfback same, motion twin, out and go switch wheel. And the first read is actually on the opposite side of the field, and it's going to be a slant. So I'm going to go back to the original TV copy. We're going from left to right here on the podcast. You see Dobbs comes over. <coughs> Excuse me. Dobbs is in the, in the slot now. He's the first read. He's actually going to be a slant. And as we roll it, you see there's his slant, right? And Aaron immediately looks at him. You can see Aaron squares up his shoulders. He's looking at the slant. He doesn't like what he sees. Right. Why does he not like what he sees? First of all, he's also if you look on the other side of the field, he's moving this DB right here with his shoulders because he's got a it, the camera view. I don't have the all 22 yet, so I don't know, <coughs> excuse me, if Lazard is running a streak route, a nine route, a go or if he's going to run a, a dig on the inside and kind of run, you know, those those double crossers, if you will. Right. That that concept, that levels play um, is what some some coaches call it. But nonetheless, Aaron, with his shoulders open, he's kind of holding everybody at home over here, right? When he knows he's not going to Dobbs, immediately I want you to look into the backfield, and you'll see Patrick Taylor gets a good chunk of the of the defender that's blitzing, but he is right in Aaron's face. I mean, completely in Aaron's face. So here you got 39-year-old Aaron Rodgers that everybody says is all washed up, and I'm telling you right now, I've communicated with Rodgers haters so much, way too much over the last 24, 48 hours after this game. They claim he had one of the worst games of his career. I watched the tape, and I and I, and I heard people talking about this live too, right, on Twitter, in chats. It was just like he was just absolutely awful. And I'm watching the game unfold. And I, granted, we got people in the house. It's Christmas. You're trying to you know spend time with the family and all that. Um. You know, it's it's easy to miss stuff. So I tried to stay a little bit quiet in responding to him. But I at, at no point did I think, man, Rodgers is having a horrible game. Is he having a great game? Absolutely not. He missed Christian Watson on the deep pass. Um, you know, Lazard dropped a slant across the middle that would have been a first down. Um, he, you know, held the ball too long. In some some cases, people think he held the ball too long. I seen one screen grab on Twitter and I wanted to pull my hair out. He, he was they were pointing out that Christian Watson was wide open. And I, and I look at Christian Watson, and there's defenders within three or four yards of him, right? And I look at Aaron, and he's got a 300-pound defensive lineman in his face with his hand in the throwing lane. Guys, this isn't Madden. It's not Madden. You, you can't just push the X button and lob that pass over that defender. It doesn't work that way, right? Um, I don't know. I just get frustrated at that stuff because any you can take any offense and freeze frame it. Like right here, you could freeze frame this and say Dobbs is open. Take the easy take the easy completion. Okay, you don't know what Aaron is reading here. What's Aaron looking at? He could be looking at the safeties here deep, and he knows, okay, if he's on the shelf and this is man coverage, it's not man coverage, it's zone. This guy's out of place. I could dump it to Mercedes, and I kind of feel like that's what he was looking to do was to hit the flat. But as soon as he turn, goes to make his side adjustment, what happens? He's got a defender in his face. Aaron, being savvy like he is, little jab step, completely jukes that defender out. But here's another issue. Now you've got a second defender in your face. Tom's holding his own, but there's not much of a throwing lane there, right? 
Watch how Rodgers, and for those of you on the pod, he literally squares up, throws across his body, sidearm as the defender leaps, literally one yard in front of Aaron Rodgers, sidearms it around him, and just drops a dime in the bucket to Mercedes Lewis. This was, this might be Aaron Rodgers' best throw of the year. And why do I mention that? Because I've pointed out he had an off day. Wasn't a great day for Aaron Rodgers. Didn't think it was horrible, but I definitely knew he wasn't going to grade out in the 80s on PFF, right? But you don't hear the haters talking about this play. Again, guys, this was first and 10 in the third quarter. You're still in the middle eight, technically. Well, technically, you're just outside of the middle eight. But when it's a possession that's really falling within that middle eight, if the possession started in the middle eight, you got to kind of be a little bit lenient, like, okay, this is the same type of momentum grab, right? Um, but they don't mention it. This was a huge play. You're down 20 to 13, and this play right here sets up the tying score, essentially. It, it's going to set up the tying touchdown. I believe it was A.J. Dillon that scored a touchdown, if I remember correctly. Um, and, again, it's all because you've got a quarterback who didn't take just that little dink and dunk, easy slant, looked left, realized he was in trouble, made a guy miss, throws sidearm, cross his body around a defender, and is able to do all that and still just throw an absolutely perfect pass to where only Mercedes Lewis can get it. Again, you here you see the switch, right? You got the out and go switch wheel. Here's the wheel route. Aaron, right here, when he sees this defender pass off, again, he's already recognized its zone coverage by reading the slant. When he recognizes its zone coverage, his head immediately snaps left and knows my advantage is going to be over here on the left. You see the safety dip deep. This DB's out of position because he's got a carry Tunyon so far. And when he does, he's out of position, and Mercedes Lewis is just going to make a great catch here. A big dog showing some hands on this play. Huge play. Aaron Rodgers passed to Mercedes Lewis. I thought that was absolutely crucial. And, yeah, just uh, one of those vintage Aaron Rodgers moments. So just like we mentioned on the play with Jaron Reed, right? In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Jaron Reed makes a uh, just a game-changing play. You could see him flash all day. He was in the backfield from time to time, graded out with an 89.9 PFF grade. On this play, you've seen Aaron Rodgers make a great secondary 
reaction play, right? Making a uh, a defensive lineman miss, evading the sack, then throwing cross body, squaring up, and throwing sidearm around another defender that's in his face, right? And drop a dime in. Well, I wonder what their PFF grades were. Mercedes Lewis, 81.3. I believe he was the highest rated offensive player on the entire Packers roster. Had a great game, Big Dog did. Aaron Rodgers, 74.9. Right in that area that I would have expected his grade to be. And if you had read the chats, if you had list, if you had read Twitter, you would think Aaron Rodgers was going to grade out in the 50s because it was just every little thing that he did wrong, it's what gets talked about. But you didn't hear this play talked about. You didn't hear Alan Lazard's the 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 throw to Alan Lazard down the sideline, which was an absolute dot. I mean, it was a seed that Aaron delivered there. You don't hear him talking about that. Not everybody, and it's a very minute amount of the fan base, but they typically uh, get pretty loud. And it's why I like doing this show, guys. I want to rewind all the way back to the Detroit game. I bashed Aaron Rodgers to death. Aaron Rodgers lost us the Detroit game. I'm the first to say it. And on Chalk Talk, we outlined, I think, three different interceptions, if I remember correctly, at least two. But I know there was three negative Aaron Rodgers plays. Yet when I point something like this out that happened at a crucial moment, I'm just an Aaron Rodgers fanboy. And I, I don't understand it. And people say, I don't understand why he can't do anything wrong. Where, When have you heard me say that? And I immediately counter with, where have you praised him on Twitter? Like you can literally go to, and, and I've asked people this, show me your one tweet, show me one tweet where you said, man, that was great by Aaron Rodgers. And they can't find one, but boy, they're quick to point out when you point out a positive, I'm sorry. I cover the Packers because I'm a Packer fan and I'm not going to spend all my time on Twitter and on YouTube bashing all the negative plays that the Packers have. Nobody wants to relive that. I know I don't. Right. So it's important to, to kind of outline, okay, how did Aaron Rodgers grade out of 74.9? Plays like this right here. Plays like the throw to Lazard. Some cases taking a sack when nobody's open, right? And I'm not talking about the one that was crucial there on that uh, that first possession. That was a horrible sack that Aaron Rodgers took. And I was one of the first to say you can't – you cannot take that sack there. You've got to throw that ball away and, and, and keep your offense in a position to score. But, again <clears> – <throat> Excuse me. That 31-yard pass from Rodgers to Lewis was absolutely huge. Lewis grading out at 81.3 in PFF. Rodgers at 74.9. Let's move on to the next play here. And I'm going to change up the screen here. I don't have a video for this because it was a pretty simple play, okay? Um, this was the uh, Jair Alexander interception. This came in the fourth quarter. 14 minutes and eight seconds left. Miami is at, Miami and Green Bay are now tied 20-20. to 20. Again, <coughs> that <coughs> – Excuse me. Well, this <coughs> this cold has got me pretty bad here, man. I, I don't know. I'm sure if you live anywhere in North America, you've hit in this cold front too. But uh, it's really got my lungs tore up. Um, so, again, the last play we just covered, Aaron Rodgers, huge play that set up the tying score. Here's the next big play, in my opinion. It's tied 20 to 20. There's 14.08 left in the fourth quarter. Okay, the fourth quarter basically just started. First and 10, Miami's at their own 20-yard line, okay? This is a first and 10 play. And this set up the go-ahead field goal, guys. That's why this was such a huge play. And I'm talking about the Jair Alexander interception. I don't have a video for it because there's really not much to cover. Guys, it was a horrible decision by Tua. And the one thing I will say is there was four defenders in that area. Joe Barry's second-half adjustment 
we got to give him credit. I know that this year it's been real popular to say fire Joe Barry, fire Joe Barry. I didn't see many people saying fire Joe Barry yesterday when they shut the, the Dolphins out in the second half, right? And rightfully so. But this set up the go-ahead field goal and basically over overthrows four defenders, right, including his receiver, Tariq Hill. He was trying to force the ball to him. So rather than break that down because it's just simply a bad throw, a bad decision, I thought we'd do something a little different. I'm going to go to Twitter, and I want you guys to hear Jair Alexander's reaction to this interception. It was absolutely awesome. It was hilarious. Listen to this. Walk us through that play. What happened and how'd you grab it? Oh, man, that's easy. So I'm just lining up. I seen number 10 motion over. Hey, Jones. <laughs> I seen number 10 coming across the field. I said, oh, snap, he fast. So I bagged off. When I bagged off, I seen him coming. He ran right in front of me. I was like, wow, is he really overthrowing it? Huh? Took it down the sideline, turned up with my guys, gave the football to a little kid wearing 23. I love it. <laughs> Merry Christmas to you. I don't even have more to say. That was Merry fantastic. Christmas. If you celebrate it, Merry Christmas, go enjoy time with your family. We got a dub, baby. Pack is back. Love it, love it. Walk now, us through that I'm gonna play. play it one more what time, but you got to listen to this one more time. Oh, man, that's easy. So I'm just lining up. I seen number 10 motion oh, over. Hey, Jones. Huh? I seen number 10 coming across the field. I said, oh, snap, he fast. So I bagged off. When I bagged off, I seen him coming. He ran right in front of me. I was like, wow, is he really overthrowing it? Huh? Took it down the sideline, turned up with my guys, gave the football to a little kid wearing 23. I love it. Merry Christmas to you. I don't even have more to say. That was Merry fantastic. Christmas. If you celebrate it, Merry Christmas, go enjoy time with your family. We got a dub, baby. Pack is back. Love it, man. Love it. And guys, you, you've heard me over and over and over how much I've gotten on um, Jair Alexander being too mouthy and playing out with uh, playing outside of the structure of the defense. It seems as if Joe Barry has given him freedom to do that. Right. <clears throat> and, you know, we all know he's got a ton of talent. I'm more I'm more in the camp of I like for players to be a little less mouthy and a little more enforceful on the field. You know, what I loved about Charles Woodson, Charles Woodson was a dog on the field. He would lay people out. He would strip tackle constantly, but you didn't, you didn't see him dancing much. At least in green Bay, you didn't, right? He may high step on his way to the end zone, but I like that dog. You know, my favorite, probably one of my favorite players of all time. And I had people ask me this when I was in green Bay, because I had his Jersey on was AJ Hawk. I loved how A.J. Hawk played the game. A.J. Hawk wasn't a guy out there. you never seen A.J. dancing one time. A.J. played every single game of his career, and excuse my language, but he played it pissed off. And it was, I'm, I'm going to I'm gonna thump their head. I'm going to push their face into the mud as I get up off of them. At one point, um, one of his uh, uh, defensive coaches was talking trash to him from the sideline. A.J. got a big play. I think he forced a turnover and then flipped his coach off at the sideline. I just like that dog mentality, that player that if you're lining up on offense, you look up and go, man, I really don't want to have to deal with him today, right? And I've seen so many times throughout the course of his career him shut down Adrian Peterson. He was the perfect counter to Adrian Peterson in those years, especially even the Super Bowl year, right, when the when the Packers went on their Super Bowl run. So um, I, I'm not a huge fan of that mouthiness, but – Jair Alexander and that video right there was just gold. It was absolute gold. And and you can tell he has fun playing the game. And who am I to knock him for that, right? And, you know, like I told the guys in the chat, in the uh, Packernet chat, you know, he he plays outside of the structure of the system from time to time. 
And I absolutely hate that. You know, I despise that aspect. But, man, it's like every other game he's coming up with a big pick, right? So how can you knock it? It's kind of that gamble. It's that it's that give and take, you know, where you want your playmakers to have the freedom to make plays, plain and simple. So, again, that was a huge play, and that set up the go-ahead field goal. So let's move on to the next play. This comes in the uh, in the fourth quarter, 6-0-9 left. It's a second and 13 play. Green Bay is now up 23-20 to on Miami. And this sets up another field goal that's going to make it a six-point lead going into that final drive for the Dolphins. And this is the Devondre Campbell interception. Now, Miami, what they're going to do is come out in a 21-gun Y-flex, Z-slot, H-left, halfback right, okay? And uh, I'm not going to take too much time to explain what all that means. But, again, that look is a 21-gun, two running backs, one tight end, Y-flex. The tight end is flexed out wide. If you look here, he's at the bottom of the screen, flexed way out. Um, that's a, uh, yeah, that's a, a Y flex. And then you've got Z slot, which basically means, you know, sometimes you see the tight end lined up here in a close split and they're kind of, they're, they're playing off. That would technically be a flex, but in this case, Z is in the slot. He's on the line of scrimmage and you got the opposite receiver playing X at the top. So you got your Y is all the way at the bottom. He's split wide. Some people would say Y flex wide. Um, they may go a little more in detail about that, but I would just call it 21 gun Y flex Z slot H left, meaning the H back, the fullback is on the left side of the line of scrimmage. Okay. And he's kind of lining up almost in that additional tied in roll, uh, number 30, their H back. And then you got halfback, right. Meaning he's, you know, obviously in the sidecar on the right to Tua. Now green Bay, obviously it being a 21 set, they counter with what I call a three, four wide. Okay. What does that mean? They're going to come out and the, and the look that they've got here is they've got kind of a real wide base 34 look. Okay. And for those of you listening on the pod, I'm going to try to describe it for you here. Starting from left to right, their outside linebacker is in a nine technique. Their first defensive lineman, the first of three is in a four eye. What's that mean? It means they're on the inside shoulder of the left tackle, okay? That means four eye, the eye standing for inside. You're playing a four tech, but you're on the inside shoulder. Then you got another four eye opposite. Um, I'm sorry, not another four eye, a two eye opposite him, which is kind of like a, uh, you know, some people in the old scheme, the old system will call that a one technique, right? You're basically in the gap between the center and the guard, but essentially it's a two eye Nowadays terminology, you would say, okay, you know, zero be in the center, two be in the guard. He's on the inside shoulder of the guard. There's no O's. You don't hear anybody say two O, right? It's uh, it's all eyes are playing straight up. I I kind of grew up learning football where you had the odd looks, you know, a one tech, a three tech, and you wouldn't even go into the details of it being an eye. But essentially, again, you've got a nine technique, a four eye, a two eye, a six technique, which would basically be straight up on a tight end if there was a tight end. In this case, there's not. So he's he's almost got that that five technique look, but he's far enough out that I would consider it a six. And then you have another another nine technique. So it's kind of a unique look here. And what the Packers are doing really essentially is they're they're looking to keep everything contained. They've got everything spread out wide. They're giving the inside the inside look. Now I think they shifted to this because if you see the H back is the back that's in the field in the in the backfield here. So they've got a running back flexed out wide. So I, I think they're really not that concerned with handing the ball off to their H back in this specific situation. Now what Green Bay is going to do here is uh, they're going to run what I think is a cover two. And I'm going to explain to you why I think it's a cover two. As we go back to the TV copy here and they come set. So here's the look, right? The ball is snapped. 
One thing I want you to key in on, Green Bay's bringing a, uh, bringing a five-man rush, but I think it's a cover two because watch Razul in the bottom. You'll see Razul kind of stays in really tight here, right? If, if it's a cover three and Razul's responsibility is to drop deep, he's not playing it this way. I know he's reading the quarterback's eyes, but this is, I think, uh, kind of a, I don't know, more of a sugar cover two look. You see Rasul come out here. He pops out, stays in close. That's what makes me think it's a cover two because Rasul is flat-footed the entire time. So this is one of those rare uh, just straight-up cover two calls that uh, Joe Barry makes. So Green Bay is going to bring a five-man rush. You guys remember on the last episode we talked about how Tua gets the ball out really, really quick. They're looking to pass the ball extremely fast, right? Short, intermediate routes. That's how – that's Tua's – one of Tua's strengths, one of the things that, you know, when he was at Bama and coming out of Alabama, coming out of college, was quick release. Tua has a quick release, and he's accurate short to intermediate. But, you know, people would say it's no secret. He doesn't have a cannon to throw the ball deep. Now, he can throw the deep ball. It's just not his specialty, right? So I think the thing that stands out to me here the most, they bring a five-man rush, right? So they want to continue him to rush the ball out. But this almost looks like a cover four invert to me. What does that mean? You know, when you run a cover four, you've got basically four defenders that are responsible for a quarter of the field, right? Typically, you've got your left corner is going to cover that quarter of the field deep. You've got your free safety or strong safety, depending on where, <coughs> excuse me, where the tight end lines up, is going to play the left quarter, inside quarter. Then you've got your strong safety going to play the right inside quarter. Your right corner is going to play the deep quarter, right? Now, you may have some kind of roll effect to that. That's cool. But when you do that, you typically only have two defenders playing underneath right? If you've got a five-man rush. So in this case, what they're doing, and if you notice, it looks to me like Quay Walker is communicating behind him. He looks, points to the safety, right? To Amos, and he says something. So I think what he's doing is letting him know, hey, look, we're, I'm staying two here. I'm not dropping deep. You cover me up here. Okay. So what's that do? That turns it into a cover two. And what I mean by cover four invert, rather than having four defenders covering deep, you've got four defenders covering short. You see the safety, Late rotation, they're showing the two on the shelf, that traditional Vic Fangio cover four look, two, you know, two safeties deep. As soon as the ball snapped, a little spinner effect, you got the safety dip in, and look at the four defenders short, guys. Like that's they're basically say, telling Tua, we don't think you'll throw deep now. We don't think you can throw deep. And what he's trying to do here, as soon as the ball snapped, you see Devondre. Devondre's kind of cheating right right here. Tua sees it, snaps the ball. He's going to try to hammer this skinny right here. There's a skinny coming out of the slot, that Z slot. He's going to try to hammer that right there, right? And when he goes to hammer that, Devondre just reads his eyes the whole way. You can do that when you've got that many defenders underneath, right? And again, a five-man rush, you're expecting your guys to hit home, you know, less than three seconds, so you don't think Tua has time to load one up deep. And that's exactly what happened. That four underneath zone there, whether it was a check from Quay or a traditional call, regardless, they were in the perfect look for this, <coughs> and Tua played right into their hand. This is, I'm going to say this, and I got it in big, bold letters, right? This is a great scheme call. This is Joe Barry playing chess, not checkers, and going, you know what? We're going to make the adjustment in the second half, and we're not going to let them have this short, intermediate game. They come out, they see two on the shelf. Tua thinks, I'm going to have that seam there, especially once Quay commits outside. He throws it. Devondre's reading him the whole way. 
Easy interception. This was a huge, huge play, guys. Again, six minutes and nine seconds left in the fourth quarter, a second and 13 play. This set up another field goal that's now going to stretch the lead for Green Bay 26-20, where the final would be. So you got to give kudos because it's a great scheme call. Now, you look at it and go, man, that's a great play by Devondre. It was, but at the same time, what did he do special here, guys? He just covered his own, and Tua just threw it right to him. Now, you're probably thinking, okay, I bet he had a high PFF grade, right? There's nothing there that PFF says, man, he did something extravagant. I guarantee you they graded him out on that play as he did his job. He didn't do anything excellent, right? And that's what I love about PFF. It's all about consistency. It's all about playing within the scheme to the best of PFF's knowledge of knowing what the scheme is and just make a play, right? You, you shouldn't get a superstar grade for that play. The quarterback threw it right to you, but it was a perfect scheme. Now, if you go to the PFF grade, what was Campbell's PFF grade? 60.3. Not on this specific play. We don't know what that is specifically, but for the day, 60.3. Nothing extravagant. What you got here, guys, Joe Barry making a second-half adjustment, doing an excellent job getting this dub. This dub, in my opinion, the game ball goes to um, Joe Barry. I mean, that second-half adjustment, you shutting a team like Miami out who's got arguably the uh, the, the best wide receiver tandem in the entire National Football League in Jalen Waddle and Tariq Hill, I mean – Come on, dude. Tua was in the MVP running for a long time this year, right? <clears throat> and you see Joe Barry come out and do this in the second half. Absolutely phenomenal. So I thought that play was really, really uh, crucial for the Packers winning. So um, that's why we wanted to outline it again. Here's another another view here. You see Devondre kind of late late second shift. Bang. Tua thinks he's got it right there, man. I mean, he thinks he's got that skinny and it's going to be a big play. Wrong. Devondre just reading his eyes. And, uh, again, Joe Barry putting him in a position to make a play. Absolutely great play call. So, thought we would highlight that one. So now, Green Bay is up twenty six to twenty. Right? They that that turnover led to another field goal. I love that Aaron wasn't trying to be too aggressive. I seen some people complaining, saying that Matt Lafleur needed needed to be too aggressive. I think Matt Lafleur was way too aggressive in this game. He went for it on fourth down twice. Now, one being on the other side of the fifty, I get it. They end up taking a shot. You know, it's hard to argue with that because Christian Watson had his guy beat and Aaron just overthrew him. Oh, that's right. Clayton just made a negative comment about Aaron Rodgers. So, please, don't pretend like I never say it. He missed a wide-open Christian Watson on a deep pass, definitely, right? But when it comes to that play call, it's like you're kind of out of field goal range. I'd like to see you try to run it or maybe a, maybe a quick RPO passing game there and try to pick it up. I don't necessarily agree with the deep shot, although – you know, it would have worked if the pass had been accurate. But also, like we had mentioned earlier, one of the first plays we talked about was that fourth down, fourth and two, and you try to run the fake punt. That's horrible, guys. It's your own 20. Like, if you don't do that and you flip the field, you're probably winning at this point um, in, the, in the game before any of these interceptions happen. You may not even be in the shape that you're in. Um, but, again, if uh, it's for fists, we'd all be drunk, right? And uh, I don't like to play armchair quarterback. I just like to go back and watch the tape or Monday morning quarterback, rather. I like to go back and watch the tape and just try to understand how things unfolded, and that's why we're doing it. So let's go into the next play. So <clears throat> Miami's going to get the ball back after the field goal. They're going to get one more shot to go down. They need seven points to win the ball game. Green Bay's up 26-20, to 20, fourth quarter, 134 left. This is a second and seven play. Guys, this is the dagger play. This is the dagger play, and this is the Rasul's Douglas, the Rasul Douglas interception. Miami comes out in an 11-gun, Y-right flex, spread, halfback week, okay? So, again, 11-gun, one running back, one tight end, gun set, 
Y right flex, meaning the Y, the tight end, is flexed out to the right. You can see him down there in, in uh, Gadecki, I think is his name. Um, not very familiar with Miami's uh, roster, but I believe that's who it is. And you got spread. What's spread mean? Spread means you got four wide receivers, two on each side of the line of scrimmage. Okay, that's your spread look. Everybody's evened out. And then halfback week, even though it's a spread look, your tight end is still on the right. You heard me say Y right flex. That means your halfback's on the weak side, the opposite side of the tight end. So he's going to be sidecar left. Okay. Now, Green Bay, they're going to counter with their traditional nickel two, four, five. As far as technique goes, they're going to come out in a nine tech. A four eye, a four eye, and a nine tech. Pretty straightforward. What they're trying to do is they're trying to isolate the edge and make two a step up in that pocket. Okay. Now, why do they do that? This play call was really unique. <clears throat> I could have overlooked it, but I don't think I've seen this play call all year long. I'm going to check the time here real quick as we get ready to wrap up, make sure we're good. Yeah, we're perfect. Perfect. Um, so if you notice here pre-snap, and for those of you listening on the pod, we got four, four guys, you know, rushing the quarterback. Uh, the uh, the Y flex right, the tight end that's kind of in that slot on the right side, there's nobody lined up over top of him. Now, they could be sugaring and running a fire zone blitz and dropping pressing in the coverage. Doubt it, right? But nobody's pretty much on him, and everybody's playing soft. Basically, what Green Bay and Joe Barry saying here is, look, we're going to play this thing soft. They have Devondre Campbell, and I haven't seen them do this all year long. you got your safeties on the shelf. I'm going to try to count it off here. <coughs> They're roughly – 18 yards off the line of scrimmage, the safeties are, and Campbell's about 15 yards off the line of scrimmage. So he's playing almost a third deep safety, but he's a little bit shallow, a little more shallow than the safeties. Essentially what you got here, guys, it's a nickel 2-4-5, a 9, a 4-I, 4-I, 9. They're playing a soft Tampa 2. Now what's Tampa 2? Let me hit pause here for a second. Tampa 2 became very, very popular, uh, obviously there in the early 2000s and the late 90s in Tampa Bay. It was the defense that, uh, man, I can't, I'm trying to think of his name, Monty Kiffin. Monty Kiffin made it very famous. Monty Kiffin working with um, Tony Dungy. So Tampa 2 is designed to be a cover 2 defense, meaning the safeties are going to drop deep. It allows your corners to play very aggressive short, and your Mike linebacker, your middle linebacker, is responsible for the deep third of the field. He's still in the run fit. He's still playing roughly five to eight yards, eight yards off the line of scrimmage, but you got to have one that's very, very quick, like Derek Brooks was there for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with that great defense that won Super Bowl, right? Um, and his responsibility is to cover deep down the field. So this is a Tampa 2 where your middle linebacker is, is responsible for the deep third of the field in the middle, but he's already playing deep. It's almost like a prevent look, and I would call it a soft Tampa 2. Okay, and again, it's Devondre Campbell, number five, uh, 59, deep down the center of the field. Now, what's unique about this, too, is if you look, this is Joe Barry getting very, very creative. If you look at the top of the screen, Jair Alexander, we're going from left to right for those of you on the pod. Jai's playing that left cornerback role, okay? He's playing five yards off the receiver. But if you come to the bottom of the screen where Rasul Douglas is playing on the bottom, he's on Tariq Hill, he's playing bump. He's, he's literally playing, he's showing press man. Now, Tua should know looking out here to the tight end, it's not man coverage. If it's man coverage, this this, this inside linebacker, Quay Walker, is going to be very, very late to the punch. Really, the read should have been to just dump this off quick to the tight end right there. I mean, that's just a that's a pitch and go, get to the line and run the next play, right? And, uh, you know, again, Miami's out of timeouts, so you want to be a, a little more aggressive, but – with them being out of timeouts, it, uh, it's another reason that Joe Barry was playing so conservative and playing his defense deep like this. But Rasul showing press on the right, <clears throat> what it does is essentially takes his guy out of the play. 
because Tua knows he's going to run a quick in route, right? And with Rasul Douglas playing press like that, that tells uh, right here when the ball snapped, Tua's looking at Tariq Hill. I believe that's Tariq, number 10. I think that's right. He looks at him, and when he sees press, he goes, okay, I'm not even fooling with that. I've got my corner route. So you've got an underneath route here with this receiver, and then you've got the tight end who's going to run a corner route. And he's automatically thinking when he looks out there to the right, he sees press man. But Tua doesn't have the awareness to realize that the tight end's running free until right now. So when he sees that, he thinks this is man coverage right here. He thinks Quay is probably responsible for him, and that corner is going to be open. Well, what's beautiful about this, Rasul playing that press on the right and Jai playing five yards off the line of scrimmage, he probably thinks it's a cover six look too. What's a cover six? If Tua knows this isn't man and he thinks it's cover six, this is typically the key. Cover six is it's half cover four and half cover two. Four plus two equals six. That's why it's called cover six defense. It means one side of the field is a quarter's coverage, meaning that jaw would play deep quarter and the safety would play deep quarter, right? And this side would be cover two, meaning that Rasul would play shallow, Quay would play shallow, and you've only got one safety deep over here. He's off screen, okay? Cover two on this side cover four on that side, therefore it's a cover six. He's probably thinking that might be a little bit. But watch what Rasul does here. For those of you on the pod, he baits him, he gets a little bump, and he bails. And that bump and bail, as he looks to the corner, Tua right here thinks, I've got the corner. But Rasul's actually in zone coverage. This is a zone call. It's a three deep, like we said, a soft Tampa 2 look where you're kind of no sugar. You're just putting Devondre deep down the center of the field. You got your cover three, you know, cover three deep. So the way to beat it is to try to hammer this corner out. He thinks Rasul is committed underneath. It could be possibly a cover six. Rasul just drifts, and a beautiful interception puts himself right in the perfect spot. Now, I want to say this. Not a great throw by Tua, okay? Not a great throw. And again, Rasul Douglas didn't do anything extravagant here, right? He just played the defense, played the call that was made, and uh, was, in, was in the right spot to get the gift, and great awareness, immediately gets on the ground, downs the ball. And I want you to look right here. This is every Packer fan right here. Look at this guy right here. For those of you on Twitter and YouTube, this was Jacob in the luxury box against the Rams. Acted like that all night long, embarrassed the heck out of me. No, I'm just joking. He wasn't too bad. But the guy behind us, oh, my God, was he drunk, dude. We had a guy sitting behind us that got cut off in the third quarter. It was the line of the week for me. I, I spent seven days in Green Bay. And that guy, I know I'm getting a little sidetracked, but this is hilarious. I may have already told you guys this, but I'm, I'm going to say it again. This guy behind us, he's slurring his words. <laughs> he comes and sits back down with the guy that was with him. And he said, they cut me off a beer. And before the guy could even say something, he goes, I don't blame him. <laughs> it's like he accepted the fact that he had had too much to drink. We were cracking up. And then, of course, Jacob walks up there and gets three beers, and the guy's mad about it. But anyway, so <laughs> I just thought that was funny seeing this guy going absolutely nuts with the cheesehead in Miami. And they said the Packers showed up strong, but um, the Packer fans rather. So, again, let's watch it here from behind Tua. You see uh, the tight end is completely uncovered. That should have been the play. Bang, he should have hammered that. Quay did stay at home a little bit. But, again, there you see that, that soft tampa I'm talking about. You got Devondre in the middle deep. You got Quay kind of playing it conservative. They want them to have to stretch the field because they know they have no timeouts. So, just like the play before that we've seen, where they play kind of an invert cover four, where they know Tua wants to keep it short. Now the clock, <clears throat> this is Joe Barry, and this is great coaching. Joe Barry understands that the clock is now our opponent, right? Miami's running out of time. They're out of timeouts. Let's make them throw deep and make them throw deep into us. 
And that's exactly what happened there. You see Rasul just baits him. Because at this look right here, when he looks over and sees, he thinks that's man, that could possibly mean man coverage, like a man-zone combination there with Rasul. That corner is going to be open. But Rasul's already fading right there. Just a beautiful pick. Great job all the way around, man. Great play call. And, again, guys, what it comes down to for me, um, as we roll that on through there, and you see the pick, what it comes down to for me in this game and, uh, and the reason that the Green Bay Packers won, it's real simple. Joe Barry made a great second-half adjustment. Aaron Rodgers didn't do anything crazy to win this game. The running game was held in check all day long, right? I think that um, – I believe uh, – Aaron might have averaged four yards a carry and AJ averaged three, which, you know, some would say just keep pounding the rock and you could get it done. I know I was screaming that when they were inside the five, but at the same time, you know, Matt LaFleur got too aggressive with his play call in the first half and kind of made things very, very, uh, very shaky early on. Right. But you've got to give the game ball to Joe Barry, that second half adjustment, you come out and you have a second half shutout. I mean, basically did a great job early in the second half, flooding the underneath zones where Tua took away uh, Tua's blanket, essentially made him play, I'm going to say right-handed, because Tua's actually left-handed. But this is Bill Belichick 101. You study the tape, you look at a four-game saturation, you look at what they've done against teams that run a similar defense as yours, and you come out and you say, okay, let's let's take away their safety blanket. You know, Let's double-team their number one. In this case, their number one is real simple. They've got two great wide receivers. But their number one is take advantage of the fact that Tua has a quick release and he's pretty accurate in short to intermediate passing. So early on in the second half, let's make the adjustments. Let's take that underneath passing game away, force them to throw deep, and uh, it played right into their hands. And then there at the end, um, they'd already used all those timeouts. Um, did a great job, Matt LaFleur, kind of slowing the game down a bit and taking those chip shot field goals. If we had taken field goal earlier and not been as aggressive, um, obviously it had been a two-score game at that point. But, again, you can't – you know, hindsight's 20-20. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I understand football uh, more than an NFL head coach. So, I just thought that was cool. Um, again, second-half shutout by Joe Barry. Great second half uh, flooding the underneath routes until it was time to start playing a little bit of uh, prevent that soft uh, Tampa look. And then two players that I really, really want to give a shout out to, um, not that they're listening, but just to kind of highlight that, hey, they they had an awesome game. Preston Smith, PFF grade of 90.0, absolutely phenomenal there. And then, of course, Jaron Reed with what I think might be his highest graded game of his entire career Definitely as a Green Bay Packer at 89.9. And, again, guys, I don't think we win this game. I don't think we win this game if he doesn't force that fumble. And not only did he force the fumble, but he held two gaps. He he showed great technique. He stayed low, kept, kept a good center of gravity, kept his hands inside, and had the wherewithal to strip that ball out and not just strip it out, but then recover the fumble. So my game ball would definitely go to Jaron Reed here. So, again, just wanted to highlight six key moments that controlled the outcome there in Miami. And a huge win. The Packers are still alive. I was going to pull up some play playoff scenarios because I've seen uh, them rolling across Twitter. You guys can find them. If you go to my Twitter account, at Packers underscore access, you'll see I retweeted one yesterday. I believe it was Matt Schneiben that tweeted out some of the details of the teams that we need to lose um, here. And, and really the, the top priority, though, is – we got to get that dub against Minnesota and get that dub against Detroit. If we can't win these next two games, in my opinion, we don't deserve to get in the playoffs, although that may be statistically possible to if you drop one of those two. I'm not 100% sure on that, but we've got a chance to control our own destiny. You know what? If we win the last two, 
and things don't shake out and we don't make the playoffs, then you go into next year with a little bit of momentum. And you you didn't give up. And this team didn't give up on Matt LaFleur. And the defense darn sure didn't give up on Joe Barry. We've got to put some respect on Joe Barry right now because, man, he earned it yesterday. Huge win in Miami. Again, 26-20. to 20. Um, Really enjoyed breaking this stuff down. Just wanted to kind of outline for you guys the plays that mattered there and how it controlled the flow of the game. And, again, uh, Jaron Reed with uh, – arguably his his best game as a Green Bay Packer. So just want to thank everybody for hanging out with us here on Twitter and YouTube. Also want to uh, thank everybody for making us a part of your day here on Tuesday with the podcast. Um, really, really appreciate you. I hope everybody had a Merry Christmas and a Happy Holidays. Whatever you celebrate, we appreciate you taking time to hang out with us. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world. Go Pack Go. Cowboys out in front. Star begins to-